When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. episode of trivia because we haven't done one of these episodes in a while we figured december is a great time to do a trivia show so like always with these trivia shows we had to invite some special guests along and this is an interesting one so we've got on the podcast today steve roney and scott davis these guys put together a book called pictures alive rock shows of the 80s and beyond and we've been going through this book just reading some of the stories, looking at a lot of the photos and a lot of the concerts they went to brought back a lot of memories for me. So we're going to talk about this book, but then we're going to also make these guys play trivia with us so that we can amuse ourselves for the listeners, right? Scotty and Steve, welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast. Thanks for having us on, man. Thank you very much, guys. 
So, Steve, you're the photographer guy. You're the guy that took all the pictures, correct? Correct. And, Scotty, you're the guy that kind of helped him put all this together, did some of the writing, shared some of the stories, that kind of stuff, correct? Correct. So, together, you guys are like a creative force. Although, Steve, I noticed you're an artist. You've done some pretty good paintings and stuff, right? Let let, let me correct you there. No, (laughs) I'm not. No. Scott is the artist. What I did was basically some cheesy watercolors in an art class in, in high school. And the murals you see on the school walls, that's in the book, uh, the big VH, Van Halen, and the Kiss Creatures, and, Night, and I think Ozzy was one. Yep. That was a, a mural class I took in high school. And it was really simple. You would just project whatever picture you wanted onto the wall. You would trace it and then fill it in. And the best thing about it was the school was so cool about letting us put anything we want on the wall. So I put my favorite bands at the time. Yeah. But you, you did this Eddie Van Halen painting that he signed, and maybe it's not like super yeah. art quality, but it's pretty decent. Well, you're nice to say that, but it's really, it's not. You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's just not. Scott can, Scott can do that shit in his sleep with one hand tied down his back. And that was something, we traced it. I had a lot of help with it. It's the, it's the picture of Eddie on the back of Van Halen 2 mm-hmm. when they're all uh, doing individual poses. And there's one where he's playing, that's when he has the yellow and black, you know, Charvel guitar and he's leaning back. And I just thought it was great. Yeah, I got it signed because, you know, I had it with me and he, you know, he didn't sit there and critique the painting. <laughs> he just signed it, you know, but there's not a lot of talent there. There just isn't. Sorry. <laughs> all right. So maybe it's the fact that I have no talent that <laughs> there you makes go. you look that much better. See? <laughs> <laughs> now, Scotty, how do you know Steve? Are you guys childhood friends or what's up? Yeah, I mean, back in high school, Steve is about, I think, a year or two older than me. Uh, Steve and I went to different high schools as well. So this mutual friend of ours basically said to me, hey, I'm going down to my friend Steve's house to look at, I think it was an amplifier because they were all musicians. And he says, you know, Steve takes a lot of pictures at rock concerts and he's got a lot of Kiss pictures. You want to go with me down to check, you know, to go to his house and check out the amp and stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's go check it out. So like we laughed because I think either Ernie's older brother or my mom or somebody dropped us off at Steve's house. And, uh, you know, we were like, I guess, 15 or at the time or something. And I walked into Steve's room and it wasn't a big bedroom, but literally every wall was covered with eight by 10 black framed pictures and they were meticulously aligned. And I was just like, oh, my God. And obviously, as a fan of just, you know, music in general, you know, I was like, oh, my God, there's Van Halen. Oh, my God, there's Judas Priest. Oh, check out the Iron Maiden. Check out. And then I finally got Kiss over on this, remember, this left wall. And it was all creatures photos. And you got to remember back then, and like you're saying, we're all about the same age. You know, to get concert photos, you would be digging in the back of Circus Magazine or sending a dollar for a catalog to front row photos and all this shit. And it was, you know, you just lucked out. And so here I go walking into this guy's room who's got literally all these pictures. And I just was like, oh, dude, you know, we're going to be friends for a while. And here we are. So it's really because of the photos from 40 years ago. Yeah. That was 83, right, Scott? Or almost 40 years ago that we became fast friends because we were both Kiss fans at the time. And if you remember, Scott, Kiss had its own wall. Yeah. Okay. Where all the other ones were all, you know, intertwined. But Kiss had their own wall because I got some pretty good shots from that Creatures of the Night tour. So I dedicated one wall to them and that's how we became friends so steve did it ever occur to you like you're taking these photos but at any point during this whole run did it ever occur to you to like try and reach out to the circus or the creams or one of these magazines and do this 
more on the up and up as opposed to under the cover of night, which is basically what you did the entire time? No, not really. Uh, like I said in the book, it was just a hobby. And it was a big thrill to, A, get the camera in because I had to sneak it in. There was no cameras ever allowed. Right. So it was always a challenge just to get the camera in, fight our way up to the front, you know, the front of the stage as close as we can. I generally had one roll of film for the most part. And, and I said before with other podcasts, I said, you know, right, we'll take pictures of the concert. That wasn't the main objective because I wanted to enjoy the concert. So I'm probably taking pictures all of five or 10 minutes throughout the whole show. I want to concentrate on the show itself, right? So I made sure that wasn't the main focal point, but I still wanted to get pictures. And then if I got a few good ones out of that role, I would, I would do what Scott said. I would blow them up to eight by 10 and put them on my wall. And that's, it was just for my own enjoyment, really. I know that we had Mark Weiss on the show, Wise Guy, who's a professional photographer and had all these photos in Circus Magazine. He was on the cover of Circus all the time with his photos. And it seems like in our discussion with him, there was some days early on in his career where he did the same thing as you kind of under the guise of night where you, you had to sneak your camera in and stuff like that. But it seems like it became pretty immediate where he started dealing with tour managers and getting photo passes and getting things so that he didn't have to keep kind of sneaking mm. stuff in. That seems like for you, it just never really entered your mind, really. Yeah, I really didn't because I only took photos of the bands I liked. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to concerts just to take photos, right? Mm -hmm. And then if I got photos of, say, two different Van Halen tours or two different AC stores, then I was done taking pictures of them. I got, I had enough. So I, my run really was from 81 to 86, and I got to a point where I had everyone I wanted multiple times. And then I didn't take pictures again for 10 years later until 96 when Kiss reformed because I didn't, never had Kiss original guys. I really wanted that. So I took pictures of that. And then again in 2000 when it was supposedly the farewell tour. And, and then I was done. So Steve, was it easier to sneak in the Edge, Nile Station, the Stone versus the Cow Palace? Yeah. So the clubs never checked you. And I don't really have... I think I only have a couple shows. I think the Y&T and I think Gamma were the only two club shows I went to that took pictures of. Oh, and Shanker. Shanker was a club show. They didn't pat you down nearly like they did at the Cal Palace or Oakland Coliseum. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was pretty much a lot, lot easier. The Cal Palace, they had a pretty standard procedure, you know, and I think I only got caught once or twice, maybe out of 50, 60 times, maybe something like that. And Oakland, for some reason, was tougher. And thankfully, there wasn't a lot of concerts there, but they would spend more time, you know, patting down. So I always got really nervous. <laughs> Hey, Steve, I have no problem getting my phone into venues now. <laughs> Unless it's a Vinnie Vincent show. Vinnie Vincent show, he gets kicked out. <laughs> oh, does he really? Oh, wow. yeah, he got kicked out. Oh, really? yeah, that's, that's, you have no idea. That's a long story. <laughs> that happened like a year ago. Because <laughs> no kidding, really. Wow. Steve, didn't you and I see Vinnie Vincent in Vegas? We, we did. I think it was his last show with that lineup. Berkeley Community Theater? Omni, 88, Thin Ice opened. Because I had friends in Thin Ice, and they opened for that show. Yeah. So that was 88. And I yeah. think that was supposed to be their last show. And then they broke up. Oh, that could be because that's August 88. So that is at the tail end. All right. So again, the name of the book is Pictures Alive, Rock Shows of the 80s and Beyond. And since I would call myself a child of the 80s and I attended a lot of these concerts, and this is not a visual podcast, this is an audio podcast, I want to describe to the listeners the layout of the book. So, Scotty, are you the one that's responsible for the way the book was laid out, or is that both of you? No, I mean, Steve basically gave me a disc of his photos. As we talked about stuff, we realized we had the ticket stubs, we had the opening acts, we had the dates. Steve had a good little story for each one, 
And it just kind of came naturally that we would show those things. And then we would have like the right side of the page be like, say, the, the money shot. And then it would be, you know, whatever great other photos that were, you know, Steve had a bunch, you know, that had gotten damaged or had been, you know, a little blurry. So we didn't use every single photo, but we used the majority of them. And I just laid it out in a way that I thought was cool. Steve dug it. And then we, you know, we would just kind of, you know, share thoughts on, oh, this picture I think is better than that picture and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I did probably, you know, 75% of the design work and stuff, but Steve certainly helped me hone things and so forth. A lot of times Scott would come up with a really good idea. And a lot of times I go, okay, that's great. And then he would send it to me. He lives, you know, Massachusetts, I'm in California. So pretty much every Sunday morning, we would talk for a couple of few hours. That was our routine every Sunday morning. And then again, maybe once or twice during the week. So this book took two years from start to finish. We started in July, 2020, right when COVID was going on. And there was no rush. It'll get done when it gets done. But again, Scott is more than responsible for a lot of these layouts and ideas and Almost every one, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, we might fine tune it a little bit, but he just had great ideas with every layout of the book. Really did. Yeah. So the pictures are the main part of the book, obviously. But with each picture, I like the fact that you guys got concert ticket stubs. And then you have, if there was an opening act and you can remember it, the opening act is listed along with the headliner. And then I really like the fact that you have the set list running down the side of the page. I think it's cool the way you have it. And then there, if there's a story that goes with that picture, you have that as well. So I do appreciate the way the book is laid out. And for somebody like me who really doesn't like to read and just likes to look at pictures, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, Steve, it's like, we've heard this from many people who've gotten the book. Just, I think you actually said the exact words. It kind of took you back. And that's exactly what, I don't want to say we were trying to do, but it was more like, you know, Steve's great photography to see the dates, to see the opening act, which sometimes you might forget who was the opening band, and then to mm -hmm. see the set list and the ticket stub, and then a little story, you know, that, you know, you might say, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know, something that had completely escaped your mind now has brought all these elements together, which gives you this kind of time machine flashback of sorts, where you kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I remember that guitar or that, oh, yeah, he was wearing a jean jacket and all this little stuff really kind of transports you back. And that's the number one thing we've been hearing from people. You know, it's not just another photo book. We really kind of call it our little like rock and roll time machine of sorts, because so many people say, dude, that really took me back to high school. And I really remember those things well. And Sonny, like you're saying, you were actually at some of these shows. And a lot of people will write and say, oh, I caught Ozzy on that same tour in Oklahoma. And I remember that and this and that. And that's what's really cool. It's like we're giving everybody a little piece of their youth back, more so than just a book of random photos that you just kind of go through and say, oh, that's cool or that's badass. That's all right. You know, whatever. This actually gives you a little bit more of a target to, kind of to your high school days, so to speak, if you're in your 50s or so, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that's nice about California, and we talk about it all the time, is everybody comes. You can sometimes check these guys out two or three times on the same tour because they're playing Sacramento, Fresno, and Mountain View or whatever, right? But the part that I messed up and it's just hard in California, there's so many people. It's possible that the three of us stood right next to each other and had absolutely no <laughs> clue for 10 shows. But the problem is there's 5 million people live there. Like there's no way to know everybody. 
No, it's impossible. You know what I mean? But the fact that we come together on a rock podcast talking yeah. about music and pictures yeah. 30 some odd years yeah. later or whatever it is, that's what makes it a small world. Yeah, that's true. Right? You have pictures in here from uh, Van Halen in 82 on the Hide Your Sheep tour, which was my first concert. Oh, so sweet. looking at those pictures and I got shitty Kodak camera pictures of, yeah. of Eddie and Dave from third row back, you know, and I don't know how it was in California, but uh, for all the concerts at that time, it's general admission standing room only. That's how these were. All these yeah. were like that. Yeah. And one of the things that I absolutely love when going through this book is looking at the concert ticket stubs and seeing that. concert price, $11, $12, $13. And I look at it today and I'm like, holy hell, what the hell happened? Because this is way more than inflation. This is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So Scotty, I got to ask, man, you dress up as Ozzy and almost get laid. Tell (laughs) us about that. (laughs) Um, Well, the the picture in the book is me dressed like Ozzy from um, like Halloween in high school. And, uh, a good friend of mine kind of looked like Randy Rhodes. And so we were going to do this Aussie Randy thing. And then he kind of didn't really kind of dress as some kind of glam type of rock dude. And so I was kind of left alone. But, you know, I drew all the tattoos on myself. My hair was a little bit longer then. So some people would kind of say, you kind of look like Aussie. I had about the same build and stuff. And so and then when the Bark at the Moon tour came around, I redid it all, went to the concert. And immediately, you know, people just swarmed to me to just you know, I mean, they know it's not real Ozzy, but, you know, they were jolly to see this guy with the tattoos and stuff. And these two girls just came out of, you know, through the crowd, came up to me and they were both pretty buzzed. And um, this girl was like, and I'm not joking, like she was just licking her lips, like saying, listen, man, we would do anything for Ozzy. Like, you know, (laughs) like, and I was like gulping, like, oh my God, is this going to be my lose my virginity moment here with two wasted groupies in the back of a fucking 72 maverick or something like that and uh <laughs> you know what i'm saying and i'm just like uh you know and then they, i don't know it just kind of faded away whatever but they were like you know you know rubbing on me and the whole bit and i was like holy shit and when steve and i were doing this spread i said oh i got this picture of me from ozzy and as i told him the story steve was like dude you got to put that in the book and so that's why I made the, that one picture of me is in the book with the with the whole ordeal. But uh, you know, just a crazy show. Steve was there, but we didn't know each other, or we you know we didn't know each other was there. I didn't get laid, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Ever or? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, it happened, but uh, it wasn't dressed as Ozzy, and uh, wasn't with two. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, again, it's one of those stories that makes you just think back to like. I don't know. Maybe some dude got laid his first time at Ozzy's concert. That maybe harkens some kind of memory for somebody, but uh, good times nonetheless. Good times. <laughs> so you, there's so many different stories in the book. Is there a story that didn't make the book that you guys feel strongly about one way or another? You know, there is. And we talked about this uh, not too long ago. And um, I don't know why. It was Van Halen, 82, the Diver Down tour. And there's a picture of David Lee Roth in the limousine were basically following him on the freeway to the concert. And he yeah. gives me like a thumbs up and I take a picture of him. I'll be honest with you, sound check. Well, what happened literally five minutes before that, we were at his hotel uh, waiting outside because we knew they were staying there. And me and two of my friends 
got there and we ran into a third friend, another friend who confirmed that, yeah, I saw them there. His name was Mike. He, he confirmed that they were there. He saw them the night before because they, they played two nights. And all of a sudden, here comes Dave walking out of the hotel and he had a security guard on, on both sides of him, you know. And uh, he's walking, he got the sunglasses on and uh, he comes walking out. And my buddy was going to take a picture for me with my camera. And one of the security guards goes, don't even take a picture. Put that camera away. And right before Dave gets into the limousine, he goes into a wrestling move with one of our friends, Mike. I mean, they're playing, but just crazy Dave. And they're, they're wrestling and they're not on the ground. And this lasted all of a few seconds, right? I go, holy shit, what the hell was that? And they, Dave got in the limousine and they drove away. And that was it. And we, and we got in our car, we followed, you know, we followed them. And, and it was on the way to the Cow Palace and we're on the freeway. We're on the freeway and I got, I was able to get that one picture from our car at Dave's limousine where the window is down just enough where I can see him and he, and he gave me the thumbs up. That didn't make it. So you, uh, your friend and Dave get into kind of a play wrestling thing. A play, a play, very much play thing because they're kind of laughing. But yeah. he just out of nowhere, before he gets into the limousine, he's, and he's, not, he's not really talking to anyone. He's not, hey guys, how you doing? Nothing. Very serious. And then he just goes into this, you know, crazy, you know, wrestling, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> it was crazy, man. <laughs> Rick James said it, and I'll say it again. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. but uh, And I was thinking, if David done that to me, I probably would have crapped my pants because I, didn't, I wouldn't have known he was fooling around, right? I, would have, yeah. I don't know what I would have done. I would have probably ran away. I don't know. So but, the security guard didn't get involved? Oh, no, no. They just Again, this lasted all the few seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. And, uh, I mean, maybe that's something he did every time he was in a city and people were standing by his limousine. I don't know. But uh, crazy Dave. <laughs> But other than that, pretty much, I think every other story I had was in the, is in the book, you know? Yeah. So Sonny is a big Y&T fan. I'm a big Y&T fan. There's a great Y&T story in the book. Yeah. Uh, but you guys, you are friends with some of those guys as well. So is there anything, any stories you can share uh, from the Y&T guys? Well, I mean, um, I was fortunate to come become good friends with Phil Kennemore, the bass player for Y&T, until he passed away in 2011. And a couple examples, going back to 2003, my wife was throwing a surprise birthday party for me, of course, I didn't know, in our backyard. And what she did was she had it set up where all the bands I played with growing up were there and I was supposed to play with them. And there was only like three of them. And the current band I was playing with at the time was called Rap Bastard. We, did, we were a cover band at the time and we played a lot of Y&T. Well, my wife, like a week before the party, went to Phil and, and said, hey, can you come to the party? And Phil said, absolutely. Now, Phil was a real private guy. He rarely went out if he wasn't on the tour or, you know, playing somewhere. He didn't, didn't hang out a lot. So for the fact that he came to my party was huge. Okay. And then he got up and played with us because we, we used to play a lot of Y&T. And I think there's a photo in the book of us doing that. Okay. Of playing some Y&T with Phil. Then just a few months after that, same band Rap Bastards playing just a local club in Belmont the night before Thanksgiving, a couple days before I asked Phil, I go, hey, man. Any chance maybe you and Dave, Medicaid, can come down and play with us? Because let me ask Dave. And sure enough, they show up. And we kept it quiet, but it was packed. The word got out. And we played like six Y&T tunes. And they were just awesome. They're just so, they're just really down to earth. Way cool guys, especially Dave. I've become friends with Dave too over the years. And they're just really great guys, man. They really are. And uh, of course, a great band. And I was so glad to get those photos of them back in 1981. The very first time I saw them at the old Waldorf in San Francisco. And uh, became an instant fan. And then many years later, Fortune became friends with them. With all the stories that are in the book, is there any of the stories for you 
and this is probably a tough question. Is there any of the stories that uh, are particularly important to you or that stand out uh, more than the others? Is there anything where when you decided to put together this book, you said, you know what, I got to share this story? Well, when we started this thing, again, this was Scott's idea, you know, doing, okay, you know, said, I had all my ticket stubs. He goes, yeah. you know, we'll put the ticket stubs there with the date and the opener and we'll do the set list and there'll be this picture of whoever's, you know, if it's Eddie Van Halen for Van Halen or, you know, Gene Simmons for Kiss, whatever. And it'd be great to have a little story going along with whatever happened at that show. So Scott and I spent a lot of time on all these stories because a lot of times I remember things and a lot of times I wouldn't, but there were some things I was really detailed on. And when I would tell Scott some of these stories, he would just bust up laughing like he couldn't believe this shit was actually happening. Right. When we got done, we said, what's, our, what's your favorite story? What's your favorite story? You know, and there's two or three of them that if we read it out loud, we'll start laughing. Like, you know, <laughs> it really yep. works. Scott, what's your favorite one? The outlaws opening up for Sabbath. We probably laughed hysterically for like two months every yeah. time we would read the story. And then the one where um, Steve meets Steve I in the parking lot and the guy throws his uh, demo tape out the window. We were hysterical for that one for like a month. There's so many. And, I, you know, I don't want to sound cheesy like we're trying to sell this book and you got to go buy it and this and that. But really, the, everything is really genuine. Like Steve will say, he's not a professional photographer. I'm not some pro uh, writer. You know, we did this thing and it, it just came out really good. And I think people have been surprised how good the book is, how entertaining it is. And then, you know, in Steve's stories, really, they're just as good as the photos. You know, like I enjoyed that little quip about that. And Stephen, like you're saying, you may not like to read the book uh, or lengthy books like that, but it's just the right amount of just a little anecdote that kind of, again, transports you back to that show. And uh, that's what was, I think, is the nice thing about our book. There's not too many books out there like this, you know, um, and that's what's cool. Usually, you know, it's all about Aerosmith or Sabbath. There's a shit ton of books out there right now. But, you know, this is like a genuine type of book from, you know, not some rock star photographer who had the world kissing his ass and he could do whatever he wants. I mean, we could all take killer photos if we were in the pit, for Christ's sake. You know, Steve had an adventure every time he went there to get his cameras confiscated. Um, you know, I'm beating off girls trying to get have sex with me. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were living the rock star life, you know, as much as you could without being a rock star. So I think your description coming from you just now really does sum up this book in that when you go through the book, it's obvious that these aren't Mark Weiss photos. These are yeah. good photos, but this book comes from a fan's point of view. So yeah. the photos and the stories are the guys that go to these concerts uh, like us. And that's, that's how this book comes across. You know, there's something very honest about that. So I can appreciate that. Steve's got some good stories about his camera being confiscated. You know, it's not like this worked flawlessly every time. You know, we've all had, you know, my first concert was ACDC 82. It was the worst experience of my life. It was, I caught pneumonia. A guy fucking peed on me in line. Uh, it was pouring rain. It was just like, I sat there like with my hands in my head thinking, first, it was the loudest concert I'd ever been yeah. to. But I was miserable through the whole show. You know, I'd look up every once in a while and see the cannons going off and I'd kind of say, oh, this is cool. But I was like, when are we going to get the fuck out of here? I mean, it was terrible. And that's the honesty that comes through, I think, in the book is that, you know, Steve doesn't, you know, get his camera into every show and we take amazing photos. You know, he fucking the 81 Van Halen, he takes all these pictures and then the thing gets confiscated twice. 
And it's just like, oh, like if you think about those photos, how badass they would be today or how valuable they were with Eddie's passing. I mean, that was another thing that we encountered. We, we were finishing the book when he when Eddie passed away. And that's gave a whole spin on the book and things like that made all the pictures even more special. But, um, you know, I was going to say real quick, um, I know we've been talking about the book, but I don't think we've said the website where you can get it yet. Picturesalive.net is our website where you can order. $29.95 plus shipping. Usually gets it to you within a week. Um, we don't mess around with the shipping. We get it out quick. Uh, it'll be protected. It's in a waterproof envelope and then a protective box. So I know some people don't like the crushed corners on their books. So same as we do. We've had nothing but positive comments. So picturesalive.net. Check it out. It's also weighs three pounds, which is true. That's true. 300 pages, color photos. And again, very little reading, basically a paragraph on, you know, for each chapter. 26 bands, 44 shows. And like you said, there's all those elements of the book. And then in the back, I think you showed real quick, Stephen, there's, I think, like eight pages of Steve and his backstage meeting different celebrities and some of the funny things that ensued from those conversations. And it's just a kind of a cool little of this, a little of that. It's not just kind of like a big photo book. That picture is amazing of Eddie. Thank you. This main picture here, this is an important piece for your collection, and that's that's a cool print, right? I got lucky on that one. I remember I was following Eddie, you know, looking through the viewfinder with my camera, and yeah. one thing I, I point out, usually point out is, you know, I don't have a flash. I'm not using a flash. These are all natural light, okay? Yeah. And I can do four, I can probably do four or five books of photos that are too dark or out of focus, okay? <laughs> because they, I, I just have a ton of them. So unless I had bright lights on the subject, they weren't going to come out very good. I was following Eddie. He was running. I was making sure I was in focus because I had a manual camera. So I make sure I was in focus and the lighting was good. And I was about to take a picture and he jumped in the air, did his classic, you know, split. And I just took the picture and it's, it's amazing. It's in focus because that's, an, it's, it's really an action shot. It's very cool. The book as a whole pretty much is what growing up rock is all about because this book is growing up rock. A lot of the concerts that I talk about a lot of the concerts that Sonny talks about is a very big part of the show. I mean, it, it comes into play almost every episode in one way or another. So this book is uh, kind of exemplifies that. So Scott, you talked about it earlier. You guys found the Grown Up Rock podcast. We're glad you did to come on and talk about the book. And is there anything either one of you guys that we didn't talk about in terms of the book that you want to talk about? Because eventually uh, I got to beat one or both of your asses in trivia here <laughs> oh, soon. So I can say something, Scott, and then you can too. It was talked about before. We really did this all ourselves. It's self-published. We didn't have any help. We've been having a lot of fun doing these podcasts with you guys, with new friends, you know, and it's all about the book and the bands we grew up listening to and bringing us back to that time. And trust me, we're not getting rich off this book. Okay. We're not, <laughs> we're not getting rich off this book. Um, but it's okay. I mean, it's been a labor of love. And it's been great. And the response has been really super. And we really appreciate that. And uh, we're having fun with it. And we really think whoever gets it's really, really going to dig it if you like these bands. Yeah. And I just would add the book has six Dio shows, you know, one with Black Sabbath. There's seven Kiss shows, three Van Halen shows, two Motley Crue, you know, during their prime shout at the devil in Theater of Pain. And, you know, you know, someone said there's uh, 60 pages of Kiss alone in this book. So if you're a Kiss fan of any stature, there you go. That's reason enough to buy the book. But, you know, if you like Y&T, you know, there's some early shots of the band. There's a couple of early of Queensryche before Jeff Tate lost his hair. 
Um, (laughs) There's all kinds of like kind of cool stuff. You know, we were talking about, you know, Eddie Trunk the other day and we were saying he would love this book. It's got UFO, Y&T and Kiss, like almost like his top three. And Michael Schenker. Michael Schenker. Michael Schenker. Um, And and you know what I mean? So I'm just saying like, you know, there's a whole, if you're into Judas Priest, there's pictures of Judas Priest in there. You know, if you're into Rainbow, there's pictures of Rainbow. There's a whole bunch of it. And you can see all that stuff on the website if you're curious, you know, what actually every single band that's in there, it's on the website. I think there's something for everybody. And it's a nice, complete kind of taste of the 80s, you know, which is really cool to kind of go back to. I would encourage anybody that's from the 80s that attended concerts to pick up the book because it's a great account, I'll call it, of rock shows in the 80s, hard rock shows in the 80s, which is what I was all about uh, in my high school years. We call the high school years the grown-up rock years. And for me, uh, this hits home. So, But it's perfect under the tree or stocking stuffer. And, and it makes uh, it makes a great Kwanzaa gift as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sonny celebrates that on the regular. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I'm like, you know, we talked about Neil, we talked about Mark, but some of those pictures that they took that are considered some classic pictures, we've seen them in a lot of different places. I can't wait to get this book. My book is on the way because I'm looking at it, going, well, how many people got this picture? Because first of all, you would have had to see it, and second, you would have had to have a camera there. One thing I want to point out is, again, almost all these shows, except for when Kiss did their, you know, uh, reunion and farewell, they're all from 1981 through 1986. And for the most part, all these bands, they were in their prime then, late 20s, maybe early 30s, that, you know. So the images of them are really, really good. I wouldn't have any interest in taking pictures of of these bands today because, well, it's 40 years past. We were going to do an ad that says, get this book. It was when Vince was thin and he could still hit the high notes. Oh, damn. You know? Damn. Hey. Um, but, you know, Sonny, you just touched upon something we haven't said yet. And this was actually one of the biggest selling points that we were looking into was Steve took these pictures, you know, 40 years ago. He's had they've had them on film, you know, then scanned to a disc. And he's had this in his collection for all these years. So this isn't a picture that you that someone's going to say, oh, yeah, I saw that in Cream Magazine or I yeah. saw it in Hip Parade or I saw this on some fan page. I think Steve said that he gave Dolores Rhodes one picture of Randy Rhodes out of respect you know, for her Web page or something like that. But none of these photos have been circulated other than this book. You know, that's what's cool. You really are getting 400 plus never seen photos before. And I know people all say, oh, yeah, these haven't been seen. But we know that they sneak out. But this is the real deal. You may see something similar, but these are Steve's photos that we've not distributed to anyone else except through this book. All right. So uh, this is great. Again, the book is called Pictures Alive, Rock Shows of the 80s and Beyond. That is a big title, guys. I mean, that's a lot for me to remember. (laughs) But it's time to play a little trivia. Sonny, take it away. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right, so we're going to do a game show today. We've done this three times before. It's kind of like a music pop culture type history lesson. We call it Reeling in the Years or Years Trivia. Basically, the contestant's going to be given a year and then given eight statements, and they simply tell me whether the statement happened before or after the year that they were assigned, and they get a point if they were correct. Simple as that. You can play along at home. I can guarantee you guys there will be people yelling at their radio 
about how dumb you are that you don't know X happened at Y time. Trust me, it happens all the time. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. So we did a practice round earlier, but you know what? We are going to put the screws to Steven first. So Steven, we're going to go with your first year. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm really good at years as everybody that listens to this podcast knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So your first assigned year, let's go with 2001. So here we go. Audio Slave releases their first studio album. After. Dio releases his final studio album called Master of the Moon. After. I couldn't name one damn song on that record. Um, Foo Fighters wins a Grammy for Best Rock Album for One by One. After. Kix releases their sixth studio album. I am not telling you what the album was. So you got to figure out what Kix's sixth studio album is. Midnight Dynamite. No way, no way it's that. I'm going to say after. I think that might be the latest album. School of Rock, the movie featuring Jack Black, hits the theaters. Before. Smokey Robinson wins a Grammy Legend Award. Before. The top TV show of the year, according to Insider.com, is The Office. Not 60 Minutes? No. <laughs> uh, after. Tommy Shaw turns 50. That's got to be after. All right. So that was your eight. Year was 2001. Audio Slave releases their first studio album. You said after. It was 2002. So that was correct. Dio releases a studio album nobody's ever heard of called Master of the Moon. That was 2004. It was after. He sold six copies. <laughs> I have one of them. <laughs> Foo Fighters win a Grammy for Best Rock Album for One by One. That was 2004. It was after. You were correct there. Kicks releases their sixth studio album. You picked after 2001. Their sixth studio album is Show Business, ah. 1995. Damn it. So yeah. that is incorrect. School of Rock a movie featuring Jack Black hits the theaters. You said before that movie hit the theaters in 2003. So that is incorrect. Smokey Robinson wins a Grammy Legend Award, 1990. So you were correct there. Top TV show of the year is The Office, 2006. You were correct there. And Tommy Shaw turned the big 5-0 in... 2003, and you are correct there. Boom. Six points. Yay. Damn. Wow. I did, I did all right. Pretty good. Yeah, he did okay there. All right, Scotty, you're next, buddy. Oh, wait. How about letting Steve go? Because I won already. All right. So we'll go let Steve go next. Okay. Steve, you're assigned here. We're going to take it easy on you. We'll start with 1995 here. All right. Michael Jordan wins his sixth championship ring. After. Queensryche gets nominated for a Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. Before. Bon Jovi releases an album called Crush. After. George Lynch turns 40. After. Tesla releases a single called So Divine. Didn't even know that was a Tesla song. Yeah, to be honest with you. I'm going to say after. <laughs> I'll say after. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Tom Petty gets sued and declares bankruptcy to get out of his MCA record contract. After. Pantera releases a live album called Official Live 101 Proof. Oof. After. Black Label Society is formed. Oh, I'm going to say after. All right. That was eight. Your year was 1995. 
Michael Jordan wins his sixth ring, you said after? 1998. That was correct. Queensryche gets nominated for a Grammy. Bonnie Raitt won that Grammy. It was 1992, so you were correct there. Bon Jovi releases an album called Crush. You picked after? 2000. That was correct. George Lynch turns 40. That was 1994. You Whoa. picked after, so that was incorrect. Tessa releases a single nobody's ever heard of called So Divine. I don't even know what album that's on, but it was in 2014, so you were correct there. That's on um, the black and white one, the Simplicity record. Nobody oh, liked okay. that record. <laughs> yeah. Tom Petty gets sued and declares bankruptcy to get out of his MCA contract. Steve, you said after, and it was actually before, 1979. Wow. Uh, Pantera releases a live album called Official Live 101 Proof. You picked after. It was 1997. That is correct. And Black Label is formed. Black Label Society. You picked after 1998. And that was correct. And you, sir, scored six points. Wow. This ain't a song for the broken hearted. Scott, are you ready? I'll give it a go. Your year is 1971. Yeah. All right. Apollo 8 orbits the moon. Yes. (laughs) 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 Um, Apollo 8. Let's see. 71, I was four years old. So um, let's say before. Give Me Shelter, the documentary film about the Rolling Stones, is released. After. The Green Bay Packers win their third Super Bowl. Uh, after. In eight days, with a budget of 17000 bucks, and it sounds like it, the New York <laughs> Dolls release their first album. Before. The Doors release an album called An American Prayer. Hmm. After. The Godfather is the highest grossing film of the year. I have no idea why I hate that movie. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong and my brother will kill me, uh, but I will say after. The Spice Girl Jerry Hallowell is born. Uh, After. The top TV show of the year, according to Insider.com, is The Andy Griffith Show. Before. All right. So... Uh, your year was 1971. Apollo 8 orbits the moon. You picked before. 
It was 1968. That is correct. Give Me Shelter, documentary film about the Stones. You picked after. It was actually 1970. Wow, oh, really? Wow. Okay. Green Bay Packers win their third Super Bowl. Your friends helped you here because they won their third Super Bowl in 1997. Oh, <laughs> all right. They won the first two, though. They yeah, the first- they did. They did. But So you got that one right. Uh, New York Dolls record their first album with a $17,000 budget. You picked before. It was actually 1973. Oh, you know, I know that's when Kiss's first record came out, but I thought the Dolls preceded them yeah. in, a, in a way, but all right. The Doors released an album called An American Prayer, 1978, so you were correct there. Godfather, highest grossing film of the year. Uh, your friend can't be in, get you in trouble because it was 1972 and you were correct there. All right. Jerry Halliwell's born, 1972. You were correct there. And Andy Griffith, it must have been a slow year if it was the top show, 1967. And you, sir, got six points. Awesome. I got a barn burner. Yeah, no kidding. All right, Stephen, you're next, buddy. Let's go with 1990. Can't you give me anything in the 80s? <laughs> Something's coming. All right. Here we go. Batman with Michael Keaton. Jack Nicholson is released in theaters. I'm going to say before. Brian May releases an EP called Star Fleet Project, where Eddie Van Halen helped him with the guitar and backing vocals. Yeah, I'm going to say after. Eddie Money has a hit with a single Walk on Water. Uh, damn, this 90 is tough, man. It's, bo- it's bordering the 80s. <laughs> I don't know after Lou Graham releases his second solo album before Millie Vanilli stops a warrant song from hitting number one on the billboard hot 100 uh, before quiet riot releases an album called guilty pleasures really <laughs> <laughs> it sold five copies I, I don't even know what that record, I'm going to say after, because I don't know what that record it's is. It's as rare as one of Steve's pictures in the book. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> Vinnie Vincent makes an appearance on the Bengals album called Everything. I have no clue as to the timing of that. I know about it, but I don't know the timing of it. I'm going to say before. Wasp releases a single called Chainsaw Charlie Murders in the New Morgue. Yeah, that came in... I'm going to say after. All right. Your year was 1990. Batman with Keaton and Nicholson gets released. 89. You were correct there. Brian May, Starfleet Project with Eddie Help, and you picked after. 1983, by the way. Damn. That is incorrect. That happened while while Van Halen was still together, like the original Van Halen. Wow. Eddie Money has a hit with Walk on Water. You picked after. 1988, buddy. Yeah. Yep. Lou Graham releases a second solo album, 1989. It was called Long Hard Look. You were correct there. Millie Vanilli stops Heaven from going to number one by Warrant. It was 89. You were correct there. Quiet Riot releases an album nobody's ever heard of called Guilty Pleasures, 2001. You were correct there. Vinnie Vincent, blind guest, bangles everything. He played guitar on a song called Make a Play for Her Now, 1988. So you were correct there. And Wasp, you're just lucky all the way around because you picked after and that was correct because that song, Chainsaw Charlie, was on the Crimson Idol. Yeah. And you, sir, scored six points. Good Lord. We are on a six-point skid here. 
Alright, Steve, your year is 2005, buddy. Okay. Here we go. CC DeVille rejoins Poison after a five-year absence. Um, before. For some reason, Marilyn Manson wrote a book called Long Hard Road Out of Hell. Uh, I'll say after. Lane Staley dies. Mixture of heroin and cocaine. He had a good night. Oof. Oof. Oh, man. I think that was before. Faster Pussycat releases an album called The Power and the Glory Hole. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say before. Styx releases an album called Brave New World. I'm going to say after. John Levin joins Dokken on lead guitar on a permanent basis. Uh, I'll say before. No, I'll take that back. I'll say after. ZZ Top is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Dude, these ones are always tough because nobody knows. Yeah. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say before. Tommy Shaw is inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. Okay. (laughs) Um, before. (laughs) All right. So your year was 2005. CC DeVille joins, uh, rejoins Poison after five years, 1996. So you were correct there. Marilyn Manson wrote this book. I guess it must have done well. Long, hard road out of hell. You picked after. It was 1998. Uh, Lane Staley dies. Heroin, cocaine mix. You picked before, 2002. So you were correct there. Faster Pussycat, The Power and the Glory Hole released in 2006. So you were incorrect there. Styx releases an album called Brave New World, 1999. So you're incorrect there. John Levin joins Doc in permanent basis, 2003. Should have went with your first gut there, so yeah. that was incorrect. ZZ Top, you got, though. They got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame 2004, and Tommy Shaw inducted in the Alabama Hall of Fame was 2008. So you were incorrect there, and you only scored three points. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was a rough year. I can't believe you didn't know Tommy Shaw was inducted into the Alabama <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed. You're right. <laughs> And you call yourself a self-respecting rock fan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scotty, your year is 1987. Okay. See, and everybody thinks like those bang zone years that we all talk about, right? That those will be the easy ones. Honestly, sometimes those are the hard ones because it all kind of muddles together, right? Mm. So, all right. 1987, Courtney Cox hits the stage on Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark video. Before. Dokken is nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance. Before. Eddie Murphy releases his debut music uh, studio album called How Could It Be? Remember? My girl likes to party all the time. Party. Uh, was that song on that album? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I will say before. Firehouse inks a record deal with Epic Records. I will say after. Ozzy has his first solo charting hit on the Billboard Hot 100. I am not going to tell you what song it was, though. Before. White Zombie is formed. After. Tommy Lee marries Heather Locklear. After. Tommy Shaw. Boy, Tommy Shaw's going to let it play on these. Uh, releases his first solo album called Girls With Guns. It's not very good, by the way. <laughs> that song is good. I'll say before. 
All right. Your year was 1987. Courtney Cox dances in the dark, 1984. So you're correct there. Dawkins nominated for a Grammy for best metal performance. That was in 1990. Metallica actually ended up winning. So you were incorrect there. Eddie Murphy, you were correct. 1985 firehouse into record in 89. So you were correct there. Ozzy's first solo charting hit. Scotty, you give me what the song was. I'll give you an extra point. You were correct. Give me the song. I'll give you an extra point. Crazy train. That is incorrect. Shot in the dark. Was it? Oh, was right. oh okay. Yeah. Crazy train doesn't hit until tribute comes and that's 87. Right. All so, right. Uh, zombie is formed. You picked after they were formed in 85. So that's incorrect. Tommy Lee marries Heather Locklear. Come on. 85. 86. Oh. So you were incorrect there. And then Tommy Shaw releases girls with guns. That was 84. You were correct there. One, two, three, four, five points. And Steven is in the lead by one with two rounds left to go. Please do not let him win. Please. <laughs> well, if I could walk on water and if I could find some way to prove if I could walk on water would you believe in me my love is so true
Oh, this is great. All right, Stephen, you wanted the 80s. Here you go. 1984. You're going to love the first statement. The first statement is absolutely awesome because this is how my brain works. An asteroid is named after Eric Clapton. If it helps you, the asteroid is called 4305 Clapton. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) After. Faster pussycat is formed. Before. Centerfold goes number one for Jay Giles. Oh, definitely before. Michael Jackson does the moonwalk for the first time on television. Before. Sheena Easton wins a Grammy. Yeah. (laughs) Before. The movie that made Bo Derek famous, 10, releases in theaters. Before. The top TV show of the year, according to Insider.com, is The Amazing 18. Before. And ZZ Top releases a single called Give Me All Your Lovin'. That one's tough. I'm trying to pair it up with the MTV and where I was in my life. Uh, I'm going to say before. Okay. Your year was 1984. The asteroid named after Clapton, 2015. So you were correct there. Faster Pussycat is formed, 1985. So you are incorrect there. Really? Yep. Jay Giles Centerfold, number one, 81. You were correct there. Michael Jackson does the moonwalk for the first time. It was on Motown 25, and it was done in 1983. So you're correct there. Sheena Easton's Grammy was for Breast New Artist. I said Breast New Artist. I meant Best New Artist, and that was (laughs) 1982, and that was correct. Uh, Bo Derrick's 10 came in 1979, so you're correct there. 18, 1983, Best Show, so you're correct there. And the one you struggled with, give me all your love in 1983. And you are correct there. And you, sir, scored seven points. And you, Steve and Scotty, you're making my life very, very hard right now. You get to combine Scott and mine together, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the idea. Two against yeah. one. All right, Steve. Your year is 1967. <laughs> all right. Here we go. A single called Born to be Wild is released by Steppenwolf. After. Jerry Contrell is born. After. The breakfast cereal Grape Nuts hits the shelves for the first time. After. New York Jets win the Super Bowl because Broadway Joe guaranteed it. Oh, it's after because, they, yeah, because yeah, they won the third Super Bowl. I think that was 68 or 69. All right, here's a tough one. Beatles released their seventh studio album, but I'm not telling you what the album is. Um, I think it's before because they broke up a few years after that. Marvin Gaye releases a single called What's Going On? Before. ABBA is formed. After. Patsy Cline dies in a plane crash. Oh, gosh. Before. All right. Okay, so your year was 1967. Single call Born to be Wild, released by Steppenwolf. You said after. You were correct. That's 1968. Jerry Contrell was born. You said after. He was actually born in 1966. The breakfast cereal Grape Nuts hits the store shelves. You picked after. 1897. Oh. <laughs> so... That cardboard cereal has been around a long time. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the only fiber they had back then. <laughs> yeah. New York Jets win the Super Bowl. You are correct. It was after 1969. Beatles' seventh studio album. 
First of all, you were correct that it was before 1967. I will give you an extra point if you can name what the album was. Uh, I'm going to guess and say uh, Rubber Soul. Ooh. Almost. Revolver. Uh, Almost. Steve, I would have said Rubber Soul, too. Yeah. Good boy. Marvin Gaye releases What's Going On, you picked before, 1971. So that's actually incorrect. ABBA is formed, you said after, 1972 is correct. Patsy Cline died in a plane crash, you said before, 1967. She died in a plane crash in 1963. So you scored five there. All right. Scott, you're going to have to work the table here, buddy. All right. You only got two shots left. Hit me. All right. We'll go with 2011. Scotty, here we go. Aretha Franklin wins a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys. Before. Black Crows released an album called War Paint. Before. Bob Seger is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. After. Journey is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. After. Robert Downey Jr. releases a music album called The Futurist. I didn't even know he had an album. I'll say before. Slash's autobiography simply titled Slash is published. After. Stephen Adler joins Bullet Boys, and it lasts less than a year. Everybody who joins the Bullet Boys lasts less than a year. <laughs> I'll say after. Toy Story 3 is the highest grossing film of the year. Toy Story 3, I'll say before. All right, your year was 2011. Aretha Franklin wins a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys. You said before, 1994. You were correct. Black Rose released an album called War Paint. Nobody can name a song off that album. 2008, you were correct. Bob Seger's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You picked after 2011. It was actually 2004. Journey's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You said after, 2017. You were correct. Robert Downey Jr. supposedly released some album. You picked before, 2004. You were correct. Slash's book, Slash, came out in 2007. So you're actually incorrect oh. there. Steven Adler joined the Bullet Boys. You picked after. He joined in 1998 and lasted less oh. than a year. And Toy Story 3, you picked before, and it was 2010. So you scored five there. And right now, Steven is at 19 points. Steve is at 14 points. Scotty is at 16 points with eight points left to go.
All right, here we go. Steven, your year is a great year because I was the year I was born, 1969. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Clive Davis signs Aerosmith to Columbia. After. Elvis marries Priscilla. Do I need to say what the last name was or can we just know it? <laughs> before. Jimmy Page joins the Yardbirds. Oh, before. Nat King Cole dies due to smoking. After. The cereal Lucky Charms hits the store shelves. After that 1800 cereal, I'm going to say before. <laughs> <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly hits the theaters. After. Mighty Black Sabbath is formed. It's only two choices, not hard. <laughs> yeah, but being formed and putting out your first record are two different things. So uh, that's what's making it tough. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say before. Top TV show of the year, according to Insider.com. Goldmore Pile USMC. After. Okay, your year was 1969. Clive Davis signs Aerosmith. You picked after. That was correct. 1972. Elvis marries Priscilla, 1967. You were correct there. Jimmy Page joins the Yardbirds, plays bass, 1966. You were correct there. Nat King Cole dies from complications due to smoking. You picked after he died in 1965. Wow, really? Okay. It's possible he died in 1965 because Lucky Charms came out in 1964. So I, I told you. <laughs> that damn leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly hits theaters. You picked after 1966. So you were incorrect there. Wow. Is that the one? That's the one with Clint Eastwood, right? Yeah. yeah. That came out in the 60s. You know, Clint Eastwood's like 90. I know, but damn, the 70s, I thought, is when he was putting out all those movies. No, no. Black Sabbath formed. You got lucky there. 1968. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. They put out their record in the early 70s, so if you're saying that they were formed, I was guessing they were formed in the 60s. And the top TV show of the year, Gomer Pyle, USMC, you picked after, 1968. So you're incorrect there. So you scored five, and your total right now is 24, and Steve cannot win, unless there's a couple of bonus points in here somewhere. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of bonus points in there. Okay. All right. Steve, your year is 1989. Rat's song, Body Talk, is in a featured soundtrack with Eddie Murphy starring in the film. Before. Paula Abdul wins a Grammy for Best Music Video. After. Judas Priest released their seventh studio album. I'm not telling you what the album is. Before. Kevin Dubrow gets fired from Quiet Riot and is replaced by Paul Shortino. Oh, this is 89, you said? I'm going to say before. Black and Blue releases an album called Nasty, Nasty. Before. The car company Tesla is founded. After. ZZ Top releases a single called Give It Up. It was their last single to hit the Hot 100. Before. Roger Taylor from Queen releases a solo album called Strange Frontier. After. All right. So we got 1989, Rat Song Body Talk is in an Eddie Murphy movie. You said before, that was correct. For an extra point, can you name the movie? Eddie, it's Eddie Murphy? 
Yeah. 1989? It was before 1989. Oh, yeah. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Can I steal? No. <laughs> the Golden Child. Oh, my name. Yeah. Paula Abdul wins a Grammy for Best Music Video you picked after. You are correct. I'll give you an extra point if you can tell me what the video was. Straight up. That's a good guess. It was Opposites Attract. Mm. Judas Priest releases their seventh studio album. You are correct. It was before 89. I'll give you an extra point if you can name the album. Seventh album, you said? Yeah. I should know this. Um, give me a second. Give me Power a second. and the Glory Hole. <laughs> um, uh, defense of the faith point of entry oh really that, that was, was close seven. wow two albums off uh dubrow gets fired from quiet riot 87 you were correct there black and blue released an album called nasty nasty 86 you were correct there tesla founded in 2003 so you were correct there zz top releases a single called give it up last billboard hot 100 hit for them 1991 so you were incorrect there. And Roger Taylor releases a solo album called Strange Frontier. You picked after 1984. Wow. And you scored six there, which brings your total to 20. 29. Thank you. Yeah. Scotty, you're going to have to run the board here. Unless there's an extra point possibility here, which I might give you here. Oh yeah. Okay. There, there's a couple. All right. Okay. Your year is 1993. And here we go. Blind Melon is nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist. After. David Lee Roth releases an album called Sonarisa Salvaje. God bless you. And that would be after. Foreigner releases an album called Mr. Moonlight. After. Queen releases an album called The Miracle. After. Slaughter releases their second studio album. Before. Steven Piercy leaves Rat to form Arcade and fuck up another band. After. <laughs> I made up the last part. Um, the, <laughs> the Decline of Western Civilization Part 1 turns 10. Oh, uh, after. Vixen releases their fourth studio album called Live and Learn. After. Okay, so your year was 1993. Blind Melon is nominated for a Grammy for New Artist. You picked after. That was correct. I will give you two points because it would be a miracle if you can name who actually won that Grammy. And you said it was Best New Artist? Best New Artist. I'll even give you the year, 94. 94, Best New Artist. Uh, Nirvana. Tony Braxton. That's why I figured you'd never get it. Okay. <laughs> David Lee Roth released an album called Sonrisa Salvaje. That is the Spanish translation for... Eat them and smile. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you were incorrect there. That's a trick question. <laughs> well, he did. He released it all Spanish. I, I remember that. Now I remember Spotify. That. Yeah. Yeah. Foreigner released an album called Mr. Moonlight. You picked after. You were correct there. Queen releases an album called A Miracle. You picked after. You were incorrect there. 1989. Slaughter releases their second studio album. You picked before. You were correct. Now, can you name what the studio album was called? The second Slaughter album was called Power and the Glory Hole. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good guess because it was close. It's called The Wildlife. The Wildlife okay. is pretty much the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, Stephen Piercy goes to Arcade. You picked after. It was actually before 1992. Decline of Western Civilization Part 1 turns 10. Part 1 came out in 81. 
Oh. So it turned 10 in 91. So that was incorrect. And Vixen releases their four studio album called Live and Learn. You picked after 1993. They released Live and Learn in 2006. You scored four points for 20. You and Steve tied for 20. And the winner at 24 is goddamn Steven. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fuck you, Poony. And by the way, he never wins. Way too, I never win. Way too much Tommy Shaw and ZZ Top Love in this episode. For your prize, Steve, for your prize, you get a free book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. The free book is awesome, uh, but you can send me one of those prints of the Eddie Van Halen jump shot. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Say, speaking of books, Sonny, I looked up your tracking and it says it will be delivered on Thursday, even though it technically says today it has been departed the Columbus, Ohio distribution center. So, well, thank you. All right. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest man in the world. Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. Um, we always connected to Kiss, and I reached out to you guys and said, hey, you know, what's your favorite Kiss songs? Because knowing you're both Kiss fans. Scotty says, Got Love for Sale, Baby Driver, I Stole Your Love, Live, All-American Man. And then the first one you listed was Making Love Live, which I'm assuming is from Alive 2. Yeah. Steve put Detroit Rock City, I Stole Your Love, and the first one Steve listed was Rock Bottom Live, and I'm assuming that's from Alive. Yeah. So we're going to play a twofer here. So we're going to start with Rock Bottom off of Alive, and we'll go right into Making Love from Alive 2. So here you go. Hey! 
you guys know those aren't really live albums, right? <laughs> oh, come on. They are. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> they are when you're 11 years old. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Love both those songs. Two classic Kiss songs. Now, Steve, is Kiss your number one? It was. Yeah. Growing up all those years, it was for sure until, you know, I got exposed to everybody else, you know, later on. But yeah, my first influence for sure. Scotty, what about you? What's your, what was your number one back in the oh. day? Uh, what, hands down, Kiss. You know, uh, okay. Poland Halloween special. Yeah. My older brother was a big fan. He got me to watch the show. I was hooked, like many, many others. And, you know, it's funny. My wife will often say to me, like, you know, their music isn't that great. And I have to say, yeah, you know, yes, but it was good enough to go along with the makeup and the show and everything else, the tattoos and, and Alive 2 and the merchandising and the marketing. And a lot of people forget, like, the 70s was all about glitz and glamour and sequins. And Kiss just became these, you know, superheroes, like, to all of us that are still fans of it. And um, sure, I love Van Halen. Sure, I love Journey. Sure, I love Cheap Trick. But Kiss still just total package. I just, you know, that's why we're still fans of them. They're my number one rock act. They're not my number one overall musical act. Fair enough. One of the things... They've been taking a lot of yapping over the years about all this stuff that they sell, but it's one thing to buy it and then always have it there. And you're just never going to get that. It's hard to get Van Halen stuff. It's hard to get journey stuff. It's hard to get Y and T stuff. Like you got to go really search for some of that stuff or take pictures on your own and make your own stuff. But kiss stuff was easy to get. So it's literally brainwashing you 24 seven because you got this <laughs> stuff in your room. Like I got oh, all yeah. kinds of kiss stuff in here. In 83, when they were taken off the makeup and Ace had left the band and all that stuff, I sold all my Kiss stuff. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I had any foresight at all, because this was obviously pre-advent of eBay, and which was like 13 years prior. I, you know, and it was weird because, you know, you think today I just sell it on eBay. I made my own catalog. I, you know, photocopies. And then I sent it out to all these guys in the back of 16 magazine, or like we talked about the pen pals and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I'd get someone's grandma call me and I'm 12 years old. And she's saying, yes, I'd like to order this tour book for my son. And she'd send me a check and it was so archaic, but that's what I did. And it's like, I laugh today, you know, when you see people on eBay selling, you know, I mean, eBay was it made everything crazy, but it was just funny. And I think back like, well, should I have hung on to my stuff? You know, maybe so, but you know, that's life for you. And I thought kiss was over once the makeup was coming off. And I, that's why I'm selling all my stuff probably made like $300. You know, it's probably worth like $3,000 today or whatever, but oh, well, Steve still has his garbage can. Still got the garbage can, right? Looking at it right now. <laughs> I bought that brand new with my mom. In 1978, at our local mall, and I don't remember the cost, but I, I gotta believe it was under ten bucks, maybe eight bucks. Yeah. And a few years ago, I had someone offer me, I want to say five fifty or six hundred bucks for it. And wow. Uh, wow. I can't remember exactly why it didn't go through, but you know, I'm glad I kept it. It's in, it's in great shape, and I think he found one for a little cheaper that was in better shape, and I was okay with that. But speaking of selling our stuff, you know, I remember Scott telling me years ago he sold all his kiss stuff. And about probably about 12, 13 years ago, I approached Scott with the same idea. I said, Scott, tell you what, what if I give you all my Kiss stuff? I had a lot. I had Kiss comic book. I had stuff from the Creatures of Night tour. You know, I had a lot of, you know, cards, belt buckles. And I was kind of done too. So I gave Scott all my stuff, said, 
you sell everything, we'll split it. He goes, okay. And we each pocketed like a thousand dollars. Thanks, Scott. You remember that? Because eBay was around then. I had, I had the old posters from the seventies. I had a lot of stuff and I was just kind of done. And uh, he sold everything for me. That's when eBay was happening. Wow. So tell me guys, do you collect this kiss stuff and what's your most valuable thing? If you have something. Yeah, I've been collecting Kiss stuff for a while. I get into music about 84, so they're already out of makeup by the time that I start collecting. Um, you know, I've got friends that are like stupid collectors. I'm not at that level. I just like some of the fun stuff. I do have an axe guitar right here. Um, but my prize possession is 1990. I think it was the Stone, might have been the Omni. Lord Tracy is opening for Ace, and Ace was shit-faced that day. I, I was there. Lord Tracy blew them off the stage. I mean, it wasn't even close. And right before Ace really gets into his solo, he does a pick scrape and throws his pick straight into my head. And I still got that pick. <laughs> it's still stuck there. <laughs> yeah. And That's I still got cool. that. And I've got thousands of picks here, but that pick means the most for some reason. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not much of a collector, but I was in the rock and roll business and the record business for 15 years of my life. And I was a tour manager for a while as well. So I've got tour passes laminated and in a picture frame that sort of tell a personal story. So that's important to me. And then I've got tons of picks and set list and different pictures with different artists and things like that. So that's the kind of stuff that I have mainly. That's cool. That stuff still, you yeah. know, some of it doesn't need to be monetarily, you know, expensive. As long right. as it's got that memory. Yeah. I mean, Steve, you got to do something that I never got to do. So Van Halen is my number one. And I was never fortunate enough to meet Eddie or Dave or any of those guys. And you got to meet Ed on a couple of different uh, opportunities. And, and that, to me, that would have been like the shit, right? Especially looking back and now he's not with us anymore. And it's just, you know, just that would have been cool. And again, I think the first time I met him, and it was really brief, of course, was uh, mm-hmm. when he signed that painting that's in the book. And that was, so that was 82 and Valerie was sitting next to him in limousine and they were coming yeah. out of the you know, back of the cow palace. So that was the first time. Which you've got a picture in the book of. Yes, I do. But the other one that's really great was is also you know, one of the last pages of the book where my friend Dominic and I were at the NAMM show down in Anaheim, which is a big music convention every year. And uh, this is 1987. We're walking out one of the back doors to go across the street, get a drink. And as we're walking out, he's coming towards the door and he can't get in because he doesn't have a pass. He doesn't have a pass to get into the, to the show because it's not open to the public. You have to have a pass. So we're literally standing there with Eddie Van Halen. And I said to him, you want to borrow my pass? He goes, no, we'll work it out. So we stood there for a few minutes while one of his people goes to, to get it squared away. So we got pictures with him, you know, and uh, talked to him for a few minutes. He was, he was great. And once he got through that door, it became like a sardine can. He just got mobbed. And yeah. that's when he was playing Kramer guitars. So there was a huge Kramer booth waiting for him to, you know, to make an appearance. Yeah. You couldn't get close to him. It was crazy. So we were outside talking with him, hanging for a few minutes, you know, because he did not have a pass to get in. And yeah. He finally did. And that was it. You couldn't get close to him. So that was probably the best one. Yeah. That's cool. So listen, Scotty, Steve, once again, the name of the book is Pictures Alive, Rock Shows of the 80s and Beyond. And if you're listening to this episode at release time, it makes the perfect Christmas gift. If you're listening to it way after Christmas, go pick up this book. It's really good. 
It's got great pictures. It's got great stories. And it's just well put together. You guys did a really great job. Uh, so Steve Roney, Scotty Davis, thanks for coming on the show. We hope you had a good time with us. Sonny, you want to add anything? No, I'll tell you guys, like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing the book, right? There's something about, and I think you guys get it when I say this, when there is a movie that you see and it was filmed in San Francisco, right? Or something happens that's where you're from, dude, it's just, there's a different connection to it. I cannot wait to go, oh my God, I was standing stage left at that show. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was at the back of the room punching somebody at that show. (laughs) I went to the bathroom during that because I don't like that band. Like that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and you're right. And what's different for you compared to everyone else, you're right. You were probably at these exact shows where yeah. a lot of our people that are buying the book can say, well, I was at that show in our city, you know, saying tour. Right. But you mm-hmm. can probably say you were physically at that show, you know? Yeah. Cause they're all from the Bay area, all of them, you know, most of the Kyle pals. So that's going to be cool for you. Yeah. Guys, is there anything else? I think we covered it all. Picturesalive.net. Yeah. Check it out. It's worth it. Yep, and if you're driving in your car, don't wreck because it's all in the show notes. So hit the link and go go to the website and you can pick up the book uh, that way. Really easy. Hey, Steve, Scotty, once again, thanks for doing this show. Thanks for being good sports and playing trivia. Thanks for letting me win. I appreciate that. Sonny, once again, too much ZZ Top, too much Tommy Shaw. Uh, <laughs> settle down. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, that's it. Have a great holiday season. Thanks for having us on, guys. We had a lot of fun. Happy holidays, everybody. All right. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Pero si te gustan juegos peligrosos, puedo venderte mi protección. Ese es tu amor o asesinato, no es el crimen del ciclo. No me apuntes con eso. Refinando mi putería, soy nomás un desesperado, armado y bravísimo. Soy tu extraño misterioso, tu contacto con el peligro Me protejo con mi arma de casa mayor Cada paso aquí debe estar sincronizado Ojo con la autoridad Nueve vidas necesito para ganar Da paso a mano, puede ser fatal Ese es tu amor o asesinato Soy nomás un desesperado, armado y bravísimo Soy tu extraño misterioso, tu contacto con el peligro Te protejo con mi arma de casa mayor
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.